Hello, my name is Ray Montgomery, and I'd like to welcome you to the Navigating Blindness podcast. And on today's show, we have our employment service team today with us. We're talking about National Disability Employment Awareness Month. How's everybody doing today? Great. Good morning, Good. Ray. Hey, Ray. Hey. Like I said, October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month, and I wanted to bring the ES team on the podcast to really talk about how you guys are out here breaking down barriers and really helping to lower that 70% unemployment rate among people who are blind or visually impaired. And before we get started, let's do a quick introduction and we'll start with you, Christy Russell. Great. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm happy to be here talking about this topic. I am Christy Russell and I'm the Senior Manager of Adult and Youth Employment Services here at Bosma Center for Visionary Solutions. And essentially what that means is I get to oversee this awesome team and help individuals as it relates to getting back to work or going to work for the very first time. And we start working with individuals as early as age 14 in school, all the way till as young as they feel in terms of employment. So uh, we're really excited to talk about National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And thanks for, thanks for having us again. Next, we have Natalie Weisenbach. How are you doing, Natalie? Doing great, Ray. Thanks for having us back. Uh, I am Natalie Weisenbach. I am an adult employment specialist here. I've been here almost seven years in this role, working with our adults, helping them get connected to employment uh, after their vision loss, or maybe for the first time if they've never been in the workforce before. Also a level up coach. So working with other local employment specialists in the area, helping them to understand how to work with uh, their clients who are working with vision loss as well. We work very closely with our community partners, helping to break down those barriers with employers, understanding what it means to hire somebody, how to address accommodations and support them, uh, as well as doing benefit counseling. So understanding um, how work might impact your, uh, your, your social security benefits for clients as well. All right, next we have Matt Edwards, Matt. Hi, Ray. I'm Matt Edwards and uh, work alongside Natalie doing a lot of those same things, uh, working with adults on community employment, uh, benefits counseling. Uh, I got a few students that I work with in high schools and uh, level up coaching as well. And uh, just trying to break down those barriers and help people who are blind or visually impaired go, go to work. Sounds good. And finally, we have Aaron C. What's up, Ray? How you doing? Good morning. My name is Aaron C. I am the youth employment specialist. So like Chrissy said, I'm helping kiddos starting at the age of 14 all the way up until the age of 22, as long as they're in a university or an academic standing school. Uh, we're talking all things employment, self-advocacy, uh, work skills, what work looks like for a blind individual or a low vision individual like myself. Uh, so and then I cover all the donut counties, Marion County and everything surrounding have about uh, 60 kids on my caseload currently. All right, cool. Well, my first question is, what are the benefits of fostering a work environment that is flexible and open to the talents of all qualified individuals, especially those individuals with disabilities? I'm going to throw that to you, Christy. Oh, goodness. Going first with the hard one. Um, I think I think flexibility is important for everyone. I don't know that it's necessarily something special we need to do for people with disabilities. Uh-huh. But I think coming out of COVID, I would say employers are naturally more flexible. I think one of the positives to come out of that time was 
we saw that productivity could still be high amongst our employees, regardless of them being in a brick and mortar, you know, building set hours nine to five. You know, we found that people were actually more productive. I've seen a lot of research coming out about that because they were working during times that was maybe aligned with their personal best. You know, if you're a morning person, maybe you're more creative, more productive in the morning, vice versa in the afternoon. But for some of our individuals, the flexibility is important because they may be relying 100% on public transportation. And while in theory, it works smoothly, (laughs) and in theory, um, you plan ahead and they show up on time, sometimes they, it it just doesn't, Um, you know, it's, it's as reliable as it can be day to day. Um, And so removing the barrier of transportation was really positive for some of our, our individuals because they were, they were given an opportunity. Um, I, I would also say employers are a little more open to understanding how someone can do something a little bit differently. I think that's that we're still kind of riding that that wave from COVID. Um, we're seeing an increase in companies with the DEIAB initiatives. Um, you know, companies are budgeting for more training for their employees on this. They're budgeting for more positions potentially to ensure that diversity is happening. Because um, I think you know. For a company to be successful, especially if you're a company that serves a customer in some way, shape, or form, you want to have your company be as diverse as the people that are going to be supporting your company or purchasing from your company. Um, So while I personally don't think this whole concept is anything new, I think it's been around for a long time. I just think post-COVID has brought more attention to it. And more companies are being intentional about ensuring that they have these initiatives in place to ensure that they're getting a diverse group of employees. And I think with diversity, you know, we got to look past just, uh, you know, gender, race, nationality. But, you know, people with disabilities are already naturally included in the word diversity. I don't know that it needs to be anything different or new. I just think there's more attention to it, which is which is a good thing. Natalie, you got anything to add to that? Oh, Ray, you know, I just got something to add. (laughs) Uh, Well, I guess, you know, I think all second, all of those things, but, you know, you're talking about increased productivity. Uh, You're talking about your, you've got a better reputation as a business. Um, You're making better decisions when you think about having a diverse workforce. And I think Christy nailed this, right? you're naturally going to be more diverse for your customers. And so you're increasing your your customer base. Um, One of my favorite stories, though, just to to show the increase in production, we had a client who was working on a production line. um, And one of the accommodations he needed was a a magnifier that had a light uh, to be able to connect small pieces together. And he he set the pace for the line. And because of his accommodation, right, and he's increasing the production rate, everybody else on his line was like, this magnifier is amazing and I would love to have one, you know. And so it wasn't it wasn't this magical um, million dollar piece of equipment, but his needing it, going back to universal accommodations that we've talked about in past podcasts, if you want to hear my soapbox, but those are things that help increase 
your product your productivity. Um, and when you don't know what kind of accommodations are out there, or what other people might need, your workforce is suffering because they're silently over there working away. And you don't know that these other things exist that can help increase your productivity. So I think, you know, when you have a diverse workforce, you're finding better methods of, of working. All right. Sorry. Soapbox over, guys. <laughs> so you touched on something. You said something about reasonable accommodations. And I know we talk about accommodations a lot. So just real briefly, what are reasonable accommodations for a person who is blind or does that vary uh, by individual? Oh, it varies. Uh, and, you know, it varies as much as somebody's vision loss does. Um, so where somebody may need to come in and a reasonable accommodation might be a handheld magnifier or uh, a simple bump dot, which is a sticker that is raised, um, you know, to help them find the start button on on the microwave. Right. Um, up to maybe putting a rubber band on a, a specific piece of equipment so they know exactly which equipment is different from the other piece um or you know it could be it could be that you they need a screen reader because they're using uh the computer all day every day and they need um uh, jaws right or or fusion which is something that's going to be um, a program that allows them to quote unquote see what's on the tv on, on the tv sorry guys it's early on the monitor um but that's going to talk to them. So, you know, don't run out. We, I love, I'm still in your thunder here, Christy. Don't run out and buy a Braille printer, right? <laughs> We're not talking about rebuilding your building. We're talking about sitting down with your employee like you would with anybody else and figure out what it is they need to successfully do a job. Um, and I, I chuckle because I say this one frequently too. Um, you're going to want to get to know your employee, right? And and just figure out what it is that they need. You know, if I need a pink highlighter to highlight my my work, Christy's not going to have a whole conversation with me about why I can't use pink, you know, versus yellow. Okay, pink it is. Go forth and conquer it and do your best work. Uh, don't overthink it. So are there programs to help employers to really offset the cost of some of these accommodations and as far as assessments? Are there assessments that can be done to uh, to ensure that that employee is getting the best accommodations that they that they need? Uh, yeah, uh, most of probably, well, all of our uh, job seekers are associated with uh, vocational rehabilitation uh, from the state of Indiana. So uh, that's a program for, for people with disabilities wanting to go back to work or school. Uh, it's it's uh, that, that type of assistance. So, uh, I mean, generally under the ADA, if employers are, you know, qualified under that uh, type of thing, uh, we're going to work, we're going to ask and we're going to work with an employer on, you know, purchasing accommodations of any sort or working through that first. Uh, but, you know, for, and, and we've worked with um, very small employers uh, that, you know, don't set forth a budget for accommodations or stuff like that, but they want to work with us and they want to hire a person because they're, uh, you know, qualified to do the job and everything. 
Uh, so, so, you know, if we can't work something out with an employer, we, we can go back to uh, vocational rehabilitation and uh, talk to them about uh, purchasing uh, things that their employee may need. So uh, we've, we've done that on a number of occasions and, and that's completely fine, you know. Um, but that's, that's the route I go. I'm not for sure if there's any other grants or stuff like that, that's uh, purchase accommodations for employees like that. I don't know. Well, Matt, I would throw out there to just, uh, you know, there's in data here in the state of Indiana through the uh, Easter Seals, who is a loan library for equipment. So uh, connect with them. And if you're not in the state of Indiana, that vocational rehabilitation is uh, in every single state in the United States. So if you're in another location, reach out to your VR, your, sorry, your vocational provide your vocational rehabilitation provider, um, and they can help you and they may be able to connect you to other uh, grants or funding sources if you're not in the state of Indiana. 70% unemployment rate among people who are blind or visually impaired. Um, talk about that. And why, why do you believe that number is so high? nationwide among adults who are really trying to find gainful employment. I'm going to throw that to you, Aaron, first. Yeah, I think that number is so high is because, you know, the stereotypical situation like, oh, what can a blind person do versus, you know, what can't, you know, they look at what can't they do first. You know, they assume it's just going to be a your typical three blind mice with the cane and the sunglasses. And, you know, technology has closed that gap significantly. And, you know, there's so many programs like Bosma Visionary Solutions and the Rehabilitation Center uh, where they're just really pushing all the technology, um, you know, voiceover, iOS, you know, good maps, GPS. I always joke around with some of the older individuals that uh, when I started working here, they're like, oh, it's easy to be blind nowadays. Everything talks to you and every you talk to everything. So I was like, I don't know if it's easy, but there's right. definitely more accessibility. Uh, so, you know, like. You know, we've mentioned earlier, just, you know, accommodations, keeping it simple. It's going to close the gap. Um, there's so many jobs out there. Yes, we can't fly planes yet. Uh, Tesla's working on it. We'll probably be able to fly rocket ships soon. Who knows? Elon Musk yeah. is crazy. But uh, there's so much out there that we can do as a visually impaired community uh, with, you know, small accommodations or technology or just looking at it through a different glass, you know, I don't even call them accommodations anymore. I joke around, I call them life hacks. You know, these are life hacks. We, we all should be using it. You know, we see, uh, you know, the aura camp coming out and helping people with learning disabilities because it helps enunciate words and reads things to people. Um, you know, there's so much out there that's just so beneficial for uh, the community and the world as a whole. And everyone just thinks it is tied to blind people. And it's like, no, it's just, you know, these accommodations are built for life, life hacks. You know, let's change the let's change the verbiage. These are just life hacks, not even accommodations anymore. I'm I'm, I'm patenting it right now, Ray. A life hack. But yeah, I think it's just that stereotypical, you know, they look at what can't you do first versus what can you do. Uh, and then, you know, most people, you know, we we take more attention to detail because we don't want to mess up and be that right. stereotypical uh, blind individual. Like, Oh, they messed us up because they're blind. It's like, no, I'll probably just mess that up because I messed it up. <laughs> it has nothing to do with my low vision. Uh, you know, everybody messes up, but it's more 
dramatic when someone that is visually impaired doesn't. It's like, well, I so I watched a guy three rows down do the same thing three times uh, and mess it up each time. So maybe maybe it's not just the low vision. Maybe it's just you know this this task is a little hard or uh, these pieces aren't going together right. You know, so don't just jump right away to the low vision of the disability because that might not be the issue. It might just be the, you know, the production or uh, the process of the assembly. So, you know, I think that's a big, big barrier that we go through a lot. So Christy, what do you think about why, why people are employees hesitant to hire someone with a disability? I think I'll, I'll take it at a higher level. Um, you know, of course, I agree with everything that's been said, and especially Aaron's own personal experience. But I think at the end of the day, we don't know what we don't know. And we certainly don't know what we haven't had an experience with. And so for someone who, um, you know, has never met anybody who's blind or has low vision, it is hard to really comprehend how they would do certain things, you know, because we inadvertently will put ourselves in a situation for a frame of reference. We'll say, well, I don't know how I would do that without my vision, or I don't know if I were deaf, how I would do that. I don't know how I would do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? When in fact, there's a whole other world that exists in terms of accommodations, but why would you ever need to know all of the accommodations for a particular type of disability if you didn't have any reason to, if that makes sense. And so I think for some of our HR professionals or companies, you know, it's hard for them to understand something they've never known about, heard about, or seen or experienced. Um, and then I think with going back to what I said earlier with this push and more of an attention on DEI A and B is that now it's almost this pressure of, oh my gosh, well, how am I supposed to know all these accommodations? Like I I, okay, I just hired someone who's, you know, autistic and I understand what they need, but I don't know what someone who's blind and it becomes very overwhelming. I, I would have to think for an HR professional. I think it's a, a burden that's on their shoulders of feeling this need to know all the possible things. Well, remove that burden because there's no way of knowing every kind of possible um, accommodation or assistive technology or communicative device. Like there's no way you could, any one person could know everything that exists for every type of disability. And even if that were possible, right? Like nobody, no, no two people are the same. So right. even though I may have the same disability as somebody else, well, what I need could be totally different than what they need. Maybe I have co-occurring disorders that mean I also need something different. I mean, so I think, I think it's just this, this unknown. And then on top of it now, the pressure to feel like you need to know it all before you can accept someone into a position. And I, I don't think people are intentional about blatantly discriminating. I don't think it's intentional. I, I think, in my own opinion, that it comes from a sense of just not knowing. And it's a fear. And then they're like, well, it would just probably be easier to pick somebody over here where I don't have to worry about or think about all these other things. Um, so, you know, it, I think it, it is what it is. We know it happens. But whether you want to put it under the category of discrimination or you want to put it under the category of uneducated in terms of various types of resources to connect to. I think that's what we preach to HR professionals is you don't need to know all the 
AT in the world. You don't need to know all the accommodations. You just need to get really good at figuring out who in your area can answer those questions. Mm-hmm. You know, I, feel, I think every HR or yeah, every HR person should be knowledgeable about vocational rehabilitation services. It's in every state. It's a federal program. I think, you know, as an HR professional, or if you have, you know, individuals in your company, they're in a recruiter role or something like that, that should be part of their training is to understand who are your local resources for at least the common types of disabilities, you know, vision loss, you know, deafness or hard of hearing, autism, mental health. I think that makes you a better HR employee when you can at least identify where to call or where to research when and if you have a new applicant with a disability and or you have a current employee who life has happened to them and now they are falling into one of those categories where they may not have before then. We just can't have that pressure of feeling like you need to know it all because it's just, it's not possible. It's not possible. Piggybacking off of that, you know, most people that walk in, they know their accommodations. <laughs> like, it's not like, oh, our accommodations change significantly when we're in the workforce. We're still blind at home. We still okay. use these in our day-to-day activity in life. So, like Chrissy said, HR professionals, they don't have to be masters of all accommodations. It's like, I know what I use, and I know how I, I get around at home. <laughs> I know how to use a keyboard. Like, I know my jaws. Like, I just need you to, you know have it available <laughs> and I might have it in my backpack. Yeah. It just might need a little hookup. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's the same thing. And then like, just because you've always done it that way, doesn't mean that's the easiest way to do it. You know, humans are creatures of habit so much. I always joke with my friends when we're talking about blindness, I was like, I'm like, how would you brush your teeth if you went blind tomorrow? And, you know, they give me this long, explicit, detailed, like, oh, I'd fill the toothbrush and I'd walk my fingers. And I'm like, just squirt the toothpaste in your mouth and get to work, man. What are you doing? <laughs> and they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, it's it's that simple. So like with, you know, Natalie and Christy and Matt, you know, keep it simple. It, it's not it's, simple. Yeah, yeah. It's not as complex it's as people simple. think. Just ask. That's really it. Just ask. Just that. I think, you know, when we talk about DEI, you know, it's it's that simple to me. Just ask. Have the open conversation. And I think we have this real innate fear of saying something wrong, right? And, And, you know, either looking like we're dumb or we don't know something or saying the wrong thing and offending people. And I think there's a real difference in having genuine conversations, genuinely learning, genuinely asking questions and doing your homework and researching and understanding things and and on a learning path versus really, you know, outright being disrespectful to somebody. Right. And, and I think when we can start breaking down that, that fear and saying, okay, Aaron, well, Hey, welcome to the workforce. Like, let's get you started. You know, tell me what you need. How can I best support you? Uh, Let's work through this. I don't have all the knowledge. This is what I've learned through my research. Do do any of these things work for you? Um, And I think, boy, universal accommodations, right? Universal conversations with each employee that you have, talk to them, 
I'm going to talk to you as, as a normal employee and say, let's get you started. And how can we make you successful? And I think that when you, when we see companies who are asking those questions and talking to their employees in that manner, those are the companies that are really successful, that they have the low turnover rate, that their employees want to stay, they're happy, they're engaged, and they're bringing in other people into the company versus not having those conversations and suffering in silence. And it's not just your people who are, um, you know, working with a disability, it's your entire workforce. You know, going back to that 70% unemployment rate, most people in your workforce are, are who have a disability are already working and have something happen while they are an adult, right? So thinking about somebody who maybe has diabetes and that's how they've lost their vision or have had an accident, they are a knowledgeable employee in your workforce. And if you don't take the time to really work with them, you're losing a great employee that you've had for, for a long period of time, potentially, right? So I, I think, sorry, tangent guys, have those conversations and understand that you want to keep your people and make them successful. I think that's the goal of everybody. We all talk about it. Turnover is costly, Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, and I That's think it. going on that is that we have to remember that when you think of 70% unemployment rate, these are individuals with vision loss that are actively looking for work. And that number has not budged in several years. So that says, does that mean we just literally go year to year with no qualified people who are blind in our world looking for work? No, those of us that are in the field, know that's not true. Why? Because like Natalie said, blindness can happen to any of us, you know, none of us know what's going to happen to us given moment to moment, right? Day to day. Um, but these are individuals that have worked and for a large majority of them, they they are not educationally impaired. They are not ex- work experience impaired. They have hobbies. They volunteer. They're like everybody else. The difference is they're visually impaired. Mm-hmm. But we seem to want to lump someone into, oh, you're this. Well, you can't do anything. And again, it goes back to that frame of that frame of reference that we're creating. Um, and so, you know, when people are like, why don't you think that number is moving? And it's like, well, I, I have to go back to where are we at as a company and as a organization with our HR departments on training on how to break it down, not just, hey, we need to hit this diversity number hey, we just need to hit this ratio, right? You hear a lot of that. It's got to be, okay, well, how do we do that? And that starts with being open and going back to what I said earlier, you know, knowing your resources that where, where can I find qualified candidates that maybe we're missing the mark? You know, we had an organization, um, downtown Indianapolis reach out because this person said, you know, I'm new to my role. I know I'm going to have a lot of positions coming up. I'm responsible for filling. And I want to diverse. Like, I don't want to just wait and see what comes in on Indeed. I want to like try to get out there and get my positions in front of everyone. And, you know, somebody was talking to me about some disability organizations that do employment. And that's how I found you guys. And I found this other agency and you know, like it takes that, it takes thinking outside of, you know, this 
box, this magic box that we all want to put things in to say, I can do this and I can do it different. And, you know, it just, I, I don't know. I don't know that there's ever a clear cut path, but I do think, again, we have to remember if a number has stayed the same, if a statistic has stayed the same year after year after year, let's break that down. And we know it's not because there's literally nobody who's visually impaired looking for work that doesn't have skills to work. I mean, that that's just common sense. And so, okay, well, where is the breakdown? Well, why aren't they getting work? Well, they're not getting hired. Why are they not getting hired? Maybe they're not getting an interview. Maybe, okay, why are they not getting an interview? I mean, we have to break it down to that. And I think we will find it comes down to the level of understanding and uh, of that HR person. And so as a company, how can you do better? Then you you connect with resources such as Bosma or other agencies that do similar work and you're willing to learn. You're willing to have a meeting. You're willing to have a conversation. And Christy, I just, I just want to tag on to that because I think this is the other important piece. We talk a lot about the HR managers, right? And, and the C-level um, executives and man, we get a lot of interest there a lot of times. And then we start seeing this breakdown and it has to go to your frontline managers, right? Your supervisors, your frontline staff that are also taking part in that hiring process with you. Uh, because if they don't understand, if we haven't broken down the barriers there with them as well, then they are not, you're not getting your new employees in, right? You're not getting somebody with a disability past that quote unquote gatekeeper. And so I think it's really important when we talk about the HR level and their understanding, it has to go across the board to anybody who was ever interviewing for a higher or hiring in that process. Because while we may hire as a team, you know, if if I understand what we're doing with a DEI initiative, but you know, Matt as my uh, you know, line lead team lead, and he's the first person to see this person says, uh, yeah, thanks, but no thanks, you're never getting anybody through your door to even have those real conversations. So I, th I think it's important that we we throw that out there as well because we forget that it has to go all the way down. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. That training on DEI initiatives, things like that, don't just send your marketing team or just send your, you know, your HR member only or your C-suite level to these kinds of trainings. I think it is anyone that's in a leadership role um, should be a part of these conversations. I, I think that's an excellent point. I know here at Bosma, like we, we really value leadership training <laughs> at, at all the leader level, um, mm -hmm. you know, not just the executive, but all the way down. And then, you know, we're expected as leaders to filter that down to our teams and that that mindset goes from the CEO all the way through the day-to-day -day operation. Um, and, and I think you're right, Natalie, is, is, you know, we got to maybe get out of the silos of who does what and a company um, to continue to break down some barriers. Mm -hmm. Before I get you out of here today, talk about the reverse job fair on October 26th. Natalie, one more time, and how employees can find qualified individuals uh, looking for gainful employment. Yeah, so we're super excited to have our third annual reverse job fair coming up on October 26th. Um, 
And so this is where you can come in and get to meet some really great candidates. Uh, come with all of your open positions, not your quote unquote blind positions. We've already talked about those don't exist. Um, but on October 26th, doors are open at 3.30 for registration from 3.30 to 4. And then we will open up the doors. Um, and for those of you who don't know what a reverse job fair is, uh, this is where we're asking for hiring managers, HR professionals to come in and meet our clients who are uh, current job seekers with lots of different um, abilities and backgrounds and work experience and interest. Um, so if you want to know more, you can reach out to Matt Edwards uh, via email at Matt, M-A-T-T-E, at Bosma.org, or feel free to reach out to me at Natalie W at Bosma.org, N-A-T-A-L-I-E-W at Bosma.org, or Christy R um, with a K, K-R-I-S-T-Y. I, I got to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Christy R at Bosma.org, or you can uh, reach out at Bosma.org in general and find information on the website as well. But we'd love to have you come spend a, a little bit of time with us and, and who knows, maybe find your next next uh, employee of the year right here. And Natalie, remind us all, um, we still have some open spots, don't we, for companies? Yep, we do have open spots. So if you are hiring, uh, or even if you're just interested and you're not sure if you're hiring yet, maybe going to be hiring soon, uh, come participate, reach out to Matt, and we'll get you registered and uh, get you set up. It'll, it's going to be a fun event. Feedback is always positive um, from our employers. The last couple of years, we've had uh, several clients who have uh, received on-the-spot job offers and lots of job interviews afterwards. So it's a great time, great way to connect and even network with some other companies who are there. So if you have questions, um, come and ask. All right. Well, sounds good. October 26th, reverse job fair. Definitely come out, find some qualified, talented individuals who are looking for gainful employment. I Once again, I want to thank you guys for coming on the podcast today and giving us all that great information about National Disability Employment Awareness Month. If you want to learn more, definitely follow us on Bosma.org and make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, and SoundCloud. And I'll talk to you guys next week.